Hey everybody, welcome to the First Pres Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast channel or our YouTube channel for the latest Sunday messages. We're so glad that you're listening and we are praying that the following message inspires you to take your next steps towards Jesus. Well, good morning. That voice sounds awfully familiar. Jesus did come to give his life. And last Sunday on Easter, we celebrated that that's not the end of the story. Jesus' resurrection means that death no longer has the last word. And so this morning, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 20. And we remember today that though we lose our loved ones to death, and we know that the same will happen to us, that life wins in the end because of what Jesus has done. With that in mind, let's look at our passage beginning with verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me and you have believed, Blessed are those who have seen, have not seen, and yet have believed. Let's pray together. Oh, holy God, we pray that you would sink your words deeply within us. We long to hear a word from you today. We need to hear a word from you, and we thank you that you delight in speaking to us. And so, Lord, we pray for ears to hear for eyes to see, for minds to reflect, and for hearts to respond. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, there's been a lot of talk lately about the COVID vaccinations. Whenever my life group meets, there are uh, updates on who got their shots since the last time we were together. Our local newspaper uh, every day posts a chart update 
on what percentage of our state has been vaccinated. Perhaps you've noticed people uh, beginning to move out a bit more after they have their shots, resuming some of the activities that were previously part of their lives. We're seeing more of you in worship now than we were six months ago, even though we know that many more of you still feel safer worshiping from home, and we're very glad that you are. Travel is picking up. Next month, I'll visit my mom for the first time in 15 months. And many others are doing the same with their friends and family and loved ones. These vaccinations are impacting our lives for good in multiple ways. But make no mistake, Jesus' resurrection is an even greater game changer in its impact upon our lives. We see the difference that it made in the lives of these disciples we have just read about. Jesus' resurrection brought new meaning to their days. It changed their perspective. It gave them hope. And it can do the same for us as well. As we return to the early verses of this passage, I invite you to ask two questions. What were the disciples feeling and why? Let's look at the beginning of verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, what were the disciples feeling? Fear. John gives us a firsthand account of their fear of the Jewish leaders. And even though the doors were locked against that threat on the outside, fear filled the room within. Now remember, it was just hours earlier that Mary Magdalene had reported that she had seen Jesus after his resurrection. John and Peter had seen the empty tomb. But these remarkable accounts from multiple people couldn't pierce the fear that filled this room. Why were they fearful? Well, that answer seems equally easy. Their lives were threatened. Jesus, their leader, had been taken out by the Jewish, Jewish leaders, and they were probably the next target in line. But let's go a bit deeper and consider another factor that was surely fueling the fear of these disciples. Their hopes and dreams had been crushed with Jesus' death. They didn't know what to do or how to move forward. There's a, a, a poker phrase, all in, that describes players who put all of their chips into a pot. And one of two things will happen. They'll either win the pot or they'll lose it all and be done. There's no in between. The disciples had gone all in with Jesus. They had staked their lives and their futures on what he was doing and now they had nothing to show for it. Nothing to look forward to. 
And that would be enough to paralyze anyone within. I want to make sure we understand what's going on in this opening verse so we can fully appreciate what happens next. Let's continue reading with verse 9. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Let me ask again, what were the disciples feeling in this moment? They were overjoyed. And the Greek word that's used here uh, is the word to rejoice. What a remarkable shift from the fear that was consuming them just moments ago. And yet it's one that Jesus had predicted to his disciples even before his death. When he said to them in John 16, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. Now let's consider why were they overjoyed? Well, the obvious answer is their friend and leader was back with them again. But let's again look a little more deeply into this and realize that Jesus' resurrection appearance meant that everything he had said was true. The disciples had gone all in and they suddenly realized that their losing hand was actually the winning hand. Their lives were changed by Jesus' resurrection. And we're told that he breathed the Holy Spirit upon them in this moment, a precursor for that day when all of his followers would receive the Spirit. But this experience wasn't shared by all of Jesus' disciples. Let's read some more with verse 24. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Thomas was the disciple who declared earlier in John chapter 11 that he would follow Jesus even if it meant doing so to the death. It was Thomas in John chapter 14 who uh, admitted to Jesus that he didn't understand what Jesus was saying to his disciples. And now Thomas is essentially saying, seeing is believing. 
This news was too extraordinary for him to accept on the say-so of others. And Jesus' response to Thomas a week later is instructive for us today. Jesus could have criticized Thomas for his lack of faith, but he didn't. What he did do was stoop to where Thomas was, to invite him to see and to touch his wounds as Thomas had demanded. Friends, what a wonderful reminder that is, that God also stoops to where we are in our moments of spiritual uncertainty. Rather than becoming impatient with questions that can frequently impede our faith, he meets us where we are. And he patiently helps us move from doubt to faith, just as he did with Thomas. Once again, we see the changing power of Jesus' resurrection. Thomas pivots from skepticism to a personal profession of faith, declaring that Jesus is his Lord and God. And his response leads to Jesus' final words in verse 29. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Can you see yourself in this part of the story? We're the ones that Jesus is talking about here. We haven't seen him in bodily form as the disciples did. We are left to trust in faith the accounts of those who have gone before us. And when we respond to God's wooing love, and make our own profession of Jesus as Lord, he assures us here that we will be blessed. What does this blessing look like? Well, for one thing, we have peace with God. Three times in this passage, Jesus declared to his disciples, peace be with you. This was a standard Hebrew greeting in those days, but it carried so much more meaning coming from Jesus. He was also describing the lasting peace with God that he gave his life for on the cross that doesn't change from day to day. How often do we find ourselves falling short of who we would like to be or of how we wish we had lived out our day. Those moments of honesty give us a glimpse of how far we fall short from a holy God's desires of us. But here's the thing. Because of what Jesus has done for us, God takes us back every day. Every day. What Jesus did for us on the cross impacts our relationship with God so much more than our goodness ever can. And so let me ask this morning, are you experiencing ongoing, unrelenting peace with God that Jesus has made possible? I hope you are.
Second, we have hope for tomorrow. A few weeks ago, our lead pastor, Tim, used what I thought was a beautiful phrase in one of his sermons, heaven hope. Our heaven hope anchors us in confidence that death is not the end, that the best is still to come. It shapes our perspective by reminding us of a bigger story than the one we often only don't see in the present moment. I tend to see this most clearly when I am with families that are grieving the approaching loss of a loved one to death. And yet they also experience this counterbalance of hope. A little over a week ago on Good Friday, I visited the daughter of one of our members who most likely just has days left in this world. And as we sat together, I asked her how she felt about that. And you know what she said? She looked me in the eye and she said, I win. I win. Only with the hope we have of what Jesus Christ has done can we say such a thing in the face of death. Both the Old and the New Testaments declare, where is death's victory? Where is death's sting? Yes, death does bring a sting. But because of what Christ has done, we are filled with hope that it won't be a permanent one. And so let me ask, does what Jesus has done for you impact your outlook on life and the hope that you have? I hope it does. And then third, we have meaning today. If we were to, to fast forward a few weeks from this passage we're looking at today, we would find these disciples defying the very religious leaders that they were fearful of in this passage. You see, Jesus' resurrection did so much more than just provide death benefits for us. It changed their lives from that point on. And the larger story of what Jesus had done and is doing couldn't help but shape the smaller story of their days. Jesus invites us to find meaning and purpose each day in what he has done for us. To understand that the same power that defeated death is at work in our lives and in our world today. And to allow our life story to become influenced less by the daily details and more by the bigger story of what God has done and is doing. And so I'll ask one last time, does Jesus' loving presence and activity shape the purpose and the meaning of your days? I hope it does. In just a few moments, we are going to read the names of those within our faith community that we have lost since we were last together the Sunday after Easter two years ago. As we do so, we are gratefully celebrating their years here on earth and how God used them to touch our lives. 
And we are also affirming our joyful belief that through Jesus Christ, life has defeated death. And these dear folks are now experiencing new life. Now it may be that you won't know many of these names that we are read. And if that's the case, I encourage you to still make this a personal moment. To remember others who have played a significant role in your life who you miss today. But I can't end without sharing these beautiful words from John Eldridge describing that moment when we move from life to death. He writes these words. Whatever physical affliction you have known, whatever your limitations have been, everything old age will eventually strip you of, it will all be washed away. Your renewed body will be like the body of Jesus. And then I love this part. We will burst forth into the new creation like children let out for summer break. What a beautiful image that is of that moment when we move from death to eternal life with our Lord. We will be like children excitedly racing out for summer vacation. That's been the experience of our loved ones who have gone before us to be with our Lord. And that will one day be our experience as well as we believe and are blessed. Let's pray together. Oh Lord Jesus, our lives are forever changed because of what you did for us. Your resurrection power. Lord God, we do pray that you would encourage each of us with these words that we have peace with you, not just once in a while, but every day. That we have hope for the future and that we have meaning for today. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have done for us. May we live confidently into it. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Colorado Springs area, we would love to meet you on a Sunday morning. To plan your visit, head to our website at firstprezcos.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-R-E-S-C-O-S dot org.